I want to welcome everybody that's watching by YouTube or listening to me on podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We just finished an Activate conference that was life-changing and incredibly powerful. So many people got baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. 38 people got baptized on the Sunday night of the conference a few weeks ago, and it was absolutely supernatural. Last week, I taught about the Father's love. Of course, it was Father's Day, and my favorite message is to talk about him, how awesome he is, and what a great dad he is. But today, we're going to talk about building something and what you're building it on and what the foundation of your life looks like. We're moving into a building season at Rock City Church, but more than what we're building here at the church, I want to talk about what you're building in your own life, and I want to use my life as an example. I like to tell my story a lot, and I tell my testimony quite a bit. Those of you that come to Rock City Church a lot or, or watch by live stream probably could tell my testimony as well as I can, but I don't really care. Because the Bible says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know that you're healed when you can tell your story. And a lot of us in this room today or watching online are battling shame, conviction, and condemnation that's caused you to hide and to isolate and you feel that you could never ever tell the story of your past. Or if somebody really knew your story, they wouldn't like you or they'd use it against you. And I want to tell you that the devil is a liar, and he always wants to keep us hidden in shame. And today, I'm going to break you right out of shame, because the Bible says that anybody that puts their hope and belief and trust in him will not be put to shame. Shame always blames, shame always isolates, and shame always hides. And let me tell you what I know after a lot of years of pastoring. I got marriages on the rocks. I got children spinning out. I have people with false belief systems. I have people questioning God, feeling far from God, struggling with addictions and alcoholism and drugs. I got workaholic dads that don't spend enough time with their kids and families in the name of doing the right or good thing. And what I want to teach you guys today is what to build on and how to build right for all the days of your life. Because if you don't build on the right foundation, I promise you, your life's going to crumble. And if your life is crumbling, we're going to check your foundation and we're going to reset it and get the right cornerstone put in place so that you are knit together with the family and especially knit together with Jesus. And so most of you know this part of my story, but I'm going to tell it again. In 1992, I was on my way to a Grateful Dead concert and I got busted for drugs. When I got busted for drugs, I got put in jail and bonded out by my drug dealer. When I got bonded out, I caught a Greyhound bus to Chicago where I met up with a friend of mine that was on tour that uh, lived in Miami. And so he drove from city to city going to these concerts just like I did. But I had been busted, my car was impounded, and I had nothing. So I caught a Greyhound bus to Chicago where I jumped in my friend's car and he drove me back to Miami. I'll never forget my friend's car on the back glass of the window said, smile, Satan loves you. And the whole way home, I was reading that in the back glass while I slept in his car, while we traveled around the country until I finally got back. When I got back in early August of 1992, I realized about two weeks after that that I had caught scabies from his car. Now, you know what scabies is? It's a little mite that gets all over your body, all over your clothes, all over your furniture. It's extremely, extremely contagious. And so before I realized I had it, it had gotten all over my furniture and my clothes and suddenly it was everywhere, and I was absolutely miserable. 
I was facing a third degree felony. I'd been busted for drugs. I was broke. I'd lost my car, all my stuff. Here I am in Miami facing this third degree felony, and now I've got scabies. So finally, I got medicine, got it all off my body, got it all off my clothes, got it all out of my furniture. Finally, I had my house swept clean when I turned on the news channel and I saw something brewing in the Atlantic Ocean. And that something had a name. It was named Andrew, and it was Hurricane Andrew. A Category 5 hurricane was headed exactly towards my home. And I'll never forget that I left my apartment, which was right next to the ocean in South Miami in Saga Bay, South Florida, and drove to Homestead to stay with my mom and her boyfriend. And the hurricane direct hit bullseye right through the eye, hit Homestead, Florida, right where I was staying. The house caved in on top of us. We had a mattress over our head, and if it wasn't for that mattress, we would be dead. We were by the Everglades, and so everything flooded and water got up to my chin. My mom, my poor little Greek mom, who I love so much, who's with Jesus now, she pooped her pants, we're sitting in poopy water up to my chin. She's saying, we're going to die. Oh, my God, we're going to die. We're going to die. And I went into a total state of shock. I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus. All I knew was crystal meditation and new age and tarot cards, and none of that was saving me at that time. So after the hurricane, we hitchhiked back to my apartment, which also got hit by the one side of the wall of the hurricane. So the eye wall of the hurricane was 40 miles in diameter. It left 300,000 people homeless, okay? So I get back to my apartment, and the hurricane had hit from the east and bashed every apartment in the building from the east side into the hallway. Every, every apartment was smashed in. But my apartment was on the west side. And on the west side, all those apartments were okay, except for mine, which was on the corner it busted out a window and the sliding glass door so the wind could circulate through the apartment. The drywall screws came out of the wall. The drywall was hanging on the floor, but I still had a shelter. There was no place to live or a hotel to go to all the way to Orlando. There was 300,000 people homeless. And so for me, it's the middle of summer or it's late summer in August. It's every day, 95 to 100 degrees with 150% humidity. Sounds kind of like Corpus Christi right now, okay? <laughs> So imagine no wind, no air condition, no running water, and no food. Every day, the, the state militia would leave army rations, the little green boxes of army rations, at my door, and I would walk about two miles in the heat of the day to the Red Cross to get warm water and any food rations I could get. To flush the toilet, I would go down four flights of stairs with a bucket of water, dip it out of the lake, hike back up, and dump it in the toilet to flush the toilet. I was miserable. I was, I was so hot that I couldn't sleep at night. I'm facing prison time. I'm busted. I just got rid of scabies. For me, I was at my very end at that time. It was the hardest thing I'd ever been through. Now, I've been through some harder things since that time. It's funny, 25 years and 24 hours to the day, I would go through another hurricane. The first hurricane would completely break me. The second hurricane, Harvey, would make me only stronger. Because something had changed in my life after 25 years. I had made the decision to fully surrender my life to Jesus. And now, when the rain and the floods and the storm came, even though my sh coffee shop was completely wiped out, 
because of family, friends, and the strength and trust that I put in the Lord, it's built better than it was before to this day, okay? And what I want to do is I want to make sure no matter what happens in your life, if crisis comes, and I pray it never does, but I pastor enough to know people go to hospitals, marriages go on the rocks, people spin out, they struggle, drugs. I'm never going to be out of a job. I'm never going to be out of a job, right? But what I want to do is I want to see you all get healthy and strong so that no matter what comes, you're rooted upon a rock. And so for me, what happened was I had two things at that time that brought comfort to me. I'm dripping in sweat, no fan, no electricity, no generators, nothing. Two things would bring comfort in my life at that time, or at least I thought. One, I was really into New Age and had this giant crystal, a giant quartz crystal that I would meditate on. I'd been meditating it on for years. It would bring inner peace to my life in the past. It would make me feel good. And so finally I got this big crystal and I sat there on the couch sweating profusely. Om, om, and it did nothing for me. I might as well have been meditating on this microphone. It didn't do a single thing for me. So I had some dope, I had a bag of pot, rolled up a big joint, got high as a kite. Now I'm high sweating profusely, looking at destruction everywhere. I'm more miserable, and that was the closest thing ever I've ever felt in my life to hell on earth. So I got up, and I walked back to my bedroom, and as I walked to my bedroom, on a shelf was my dusty old Bible. You know that dusty old Bible that's on your all shelves? That one. So I grab my Bible, and I walk into my room, and I flip it open, and here's what I read. Matthew, this first time I read the Bible and really understood it, I read this. I just flipped it right open to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and that house did not fall because it was built or founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell and great was that fall. Now, I just literally went through a hurricane. And I'm reading scripture and understanding it for the first time. And one of the things that really stood out to me is the wind and the rain and the floods beat on both houses, but only one stood. And today I'm going to talk about what are you building on and making sure your life stands no matter what troubles, trials, or situations you face all the days of your life. Everybody is building on something. Everybody's building on something. Let's think about Peter for a minute. Peter, the disciple, denied Jesus three times. Full out had walked with Jesus for three years, and at the end of Jesus' life, when he was questioned or persecuted in any way, shape, or form, and Jesus was being persecuted and rejected, what did he do? He rejected him three times. Now, Jesus and his love would ultimately restore him. Peter was uneducated. Peter was a man that always tried to do it in his own strength. Peter's the one that toiled all night long and caught nothing. Jesus comes along and says, cast your net to the other side. And then Peter's like, We've been fishing all night and haven't caught a thing. And you're telling me to cast my net to the other side? Nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And what happens? The nets are so full, they're breaking and the boats are sinking because he listened. 
But even after he denied Jesus, Jesus would restore him. Here comes Pentecost. The one person that stands up and accurately quotes scripture from Joel chapter 2, the uneducated, uneloquent, seemingly weak thing of this world, Peter stands up and leads 3,000 people to the Lord in an instant. And what I want you to know is that no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you're struggling with, God uses the weak, broken things of this world like you and like me to confound the wicked and to proclaim his name and to not live in the muck and the mud and the miry clay, but to be the head and the strength to other people in this world. That's what Jesus does. And so Peter was originally called, his name meant the detached rock. Jesus comes along and identifies him for who he's called to be. See, when I look at all of you, I don't see your shame, your guilt, your condemnation, your past life, what you did last night. I'm not looking for any of that. Instead of looking of who you were, I'm looking at who you're called to be because I'm going to call you into your destiny. Now, do I know there's probably all kinds of crazy stuff going on in this room and in some of y'all's lives? Sure. Could God show it to me? You bet. But if he shows it to me, my job is to restore you in love. And I already know most people are already thinking about their issues. I don't even have to tell them. So why do, I'm not going to come along and beat you over the head with a Bible. I'm going to love you out of it. I'm going to show you who you really are, son, that you have a call of God inside of you. And if you'll get your eyes on him, he will snap you out of the hurts, the fears, the pains, and make you to be who he's called you to be. I see destiny. I see destiny. So if you're hurting on the inside or you have shame or you're hiding or you've been isolated, my job is to lovingly call you out. You know why? Nothing grows in the dark. Everything grows in the light. And the process of getting healthy is the process of stepping into the light. But fear and shame always keeps you in the dark. Inadequacy, what other people are going to think of. If I really knew or if they really knew, we'll just beat you up like maybe another church did or another person did. It's not my job, and that's not the culture of this church. We're all in process. We're all growing. Think tree. Think nourishment. Think soil. Think light. Think water. Think fertilizer. And some of you have wilted up and shriveled up because you've been in the dark and you haven't got light and water and fertilizer. So I come along and water you and fertilize. It's what the Lord does every day. He shines his light on you. You know, when I go into my backyard, Amber's got a lot of potted plants. She loves plants. And if they haven't got water for a couple of days, they'll wilt up. Or we have this beautiful Rose of Sharon flower plant. And if it doesn't get enough water, it doesn't bloom. So we go out and water it. And I don't stand there and go, come on, you shriveled up plant. Hurry up and bloom and perk up. But if I walk away in just an hour and I come back to that plant, it's ta-da! Because it got light or it got water or it got nourishment. And what you have to understand is you're all called to be trees and you're all seeds. And if you're not nourishing that thing inside of you, you're going to shrivel up and you're going to die. You got to get in to the light. Understand? You got to renounce hidden areas of shame because the enemy keeps us captive in that thing. Let me just tell you guys something. I've been pastoring a really, really long time. I mean, not as long as others, but I've been pastoring for quite some time. There are not a lot of things I've never heard. I mean, I've heard the craziest of craziest things. It's very rare that I hear something and I go, what? Really? 
first of all, when somebody tells me I don't, I don't do that. But I was, I was like, but I'm just telling you, it's very rare that I don't know that I haven't heard something. And what I want you to know is if you think you're bad, Paul was worse. David, King David was worse because God uses the weak broken. You just have to come to the place of self-deprecating and stop hiding, stop living in shame and step into the light, everybody. You got to step into the light and get people in your life that you know and love and trust, no matter what your story is, because it doesn't matter to me. Because when you come into Christ, you become a new creation. That's what I see. I'm an optimist. I'm never a glasses. I'm not a pessimist, half empty guy. I see all, every one of you. And when you come in here or you watch me online or listen to my voice right now, I'm speaking to you because I love you and I've asked the Lord himself to give me the right word to pierce all of our hearts to become stronger and firmer in what we build and what we do in the rest of our lives. And so since Hurricane Andrew and giving my life to Jesus, I experienced prison, I experienced divorce, I experienced another hurricane. We experienced the worst of them all, the loss of a child at 32 weeks that we held in our arms. But my wife and I, through that adversity, kept our eyes on Jesus and stood firmly on the rock and have come out stronger. And if your marriage is on the rocks, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're depressed or you're worried or addicted or you're anxious, I got the right word for you today. You are gonna come out of that thing you do not have to live in that if I can get you to believe and have faith. The Bible makes it clear. If you believe and receive, you become a child, John 1:12. The Bible makes it clear. If you hear God's words and build on the rock, you will never be moved or shaken. I don't want you to be moved or shaken anymore. And so Peter, the formerly detached rock, writes a, a book as an apostle. It's 1 Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter's talking about this hope that we have when we get born again. And the word for born again literally means to be revived or awakened or be made upright into the newness of life. And then he says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1, he says, therefore, if we call ourselves a Christian, we should not live in deceit, hypocrisy, malice, strife, selfishness, and division because we have this incredible hope. And then he says this in verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him, coming to Jesus as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it also is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Verse seven, therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which also they were appointed. In order for us to really understand what it means to be living stones, which we're going to talk about next week, we have to understand the living stone, also known, a.k.a. the chief cornerstone. Now, 
I've never taught on this at Rock City, so some of you may not really understand what a cornerstone is and why the cornerstone is so critical into what we're building. The cornerstone is the pattern that every other stone follows. Jesus is the pattern, the chief cornerstone. In ancient building practices, the cornerstone was the principal stone placed at the corner of the edifice. You know what an edifice is? An edifice is a large building or a large structure. The cornerstone was usually one of the largest, the most solid, and the most carefully constructed of any in the edifice. Used as the foundation and standard upon which the building was constructed, the cornerstone would be the determining factor in the design and orientation of the building. Jesus is the determining factor of the design of your life. So if I look at you ever and examine your life and say you are out of your design, what I mean is that the pattern with which Jesus called us to live is broken or you are not properly connected to the cornerstone and therefore your life will crumble and fall and anything you build will not stand the test of time. God has a design. Let's everybody say God has a design. God has a design. Let me tell you what, what his design is. His design is rest. His design is peace. His design is trust and stability. His design is righteousness and justice. His design is the fruit of spirit in your life. You know you're out of God's design when you're striving, worried, afraid, toiling all the time by the sweat of your brow. Your life is full of thorns and thistles, shame, hiding, fear, worry, depression, anxiety. All those things are not in God's design. Now, in this world, you'll have trouble. But Jesus said, take heart because he's overcome it. So if I have a firm foundation, it doesn't matter what comes my way. I shouldn't be living stressed out, worried, freaked out, no matter what happens to my physical body or in my family because I'm hooked to the rock. And so to be out of God's design is a result of the curse by the sweat of your brow. We're, Amber and I have always dreamed to have some land, and I believe God's setting it up for us to have some. And I said, man, Lord, that's going to be a lot, of the, a lot of work taking care of those several acres of land. And the Lord said to me, you won't do it by the sweat of your brow because Jesus reverses the curse. The curse is workaholic. The curse is 6 a.m., 10 to 10 p.m. You're not there for your kids. You work all the time in the name of being a good dad or even a good mom and providing for your family. And then 20, 30 years later, you built something and you made a lot of money only to look back. You built on the wrong foundation. You missed raising your kids. And now you don't have that time to get back. It's not about the money. It's not about all the stuff. It's about building your life on the right foundation so that no matter what comes your way, you and your family stands the test of time and that you get everything out of life God's wanted you to get. So the cornerstone is the most solid, most carefully constructed of all the stones in a building. In ancient building practice, the cornerstone was the principal stone placed at the corner. Once in place, the rest of the building would conform to the angles and size of the cornerstone. So everything conforms to the cornerstone. The cornerstone doesn't conform to us. So we have to all conform to Jesus, the chief cornerstone, if we're going to build something right. 
The cornerstone must have structural integrity. It must be tested, cut to perfect measurements in order to sustain the foundation and building blocks that rely on it. Let me ask you all a question. If you build a house on a cracked foundation, what happens? What if it's a hairline, tiny little bitty fracture and you build a nice big two-story house on it? Over time, the weight and the pressure of the house will crack the foundation even more. Then you're calling Eagle Foundation or someone else and paying 10, 20, $30,000 to jack up your house. And so in this case, what we're talking about is that you can't build a foundation on anything else upon the chief cornerstone. You can't build anything else. He's the solid foundation that we all rely upon. If that cornerstone is removed out of your life, guess what happens? Everything crumbles if the cornerstone is not in place. And I got great news for you. The cornerstone has already been set. The sun's already came. He was already cut. He was already tested. He was already tried. And he passed every test, made it to the cross, was crucified for us, shed his blood, was buried and resurrected, and then put into full place. All you got to do is get hooked up to it because I got news for you. It's never going anywhere. It'll never, he'll never leave you. He's always setting in place for you to build your house upon. And so if you built your house on a bad foundation and it's crumbled and crumbled and crumbled and crumbled, there's the good news is there's always a, the rock waiting for you to hook up to it. Always. He lives forever to make intercession and to mediate. He's our high priest that stands firm so we can all stand firm in everything we encounter. So Peter quotes two Old Testament scriptures here. He quotes Isaiah 28, 16, and he quotes Psalm 118, 22. Psalm 118, 22 says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Peter in Acts 4.11 all quote that. Jesus himself quoted it. He's being persecuted because people are worshiping him and praising him. He cleanses the temple. He has the triumphant enter, enter, entry. The Pharisees are saying, shut him up, shut him up. Don't let him scream that out to you. And he says, if they be quiet, the stones will cry out, which I'll teach that next week. And he says, the stone which the builders rejected. And some of us have rejected the cornerstone. And we wonder, why is our life in such shambles? Why is it such a mess? Why am I still battling addiction and pornography and my marriage is on the rocks? If you are not building your life on a firm foundation hooked to the cornerstone, it will never last. It will never last. And so... He also quotes Isaiah 28, 16. Let's turn there. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and whoever believes in him will not act hastily. Let me help you understand this. It's a tried stone. If the stone does not have structural integrity to withstand the fire or the earthquakes or any of the elements of the world that come against it, if it doesn't have structural integrity, what will happen? Therefore, it has to be tried. You can't put rotten wood on your house when you build a house, right? 
And down here, we have to build according to hurricane standards, right? And anything that wasn't built to hurricane standards in Port Aransas, what happened? So what we're doing is we're building according to the building code. God's given you the building code. Here's your building code. And all of us are called to be craftsmen and master builders. I'm going to teach that to you. You're all building something. I love all of you. We're all building something. The question is, what are you building and how are you building it? And will it stand the test of time when the wind and the rain and the floods and the hardships come? And so notice that, that the, the cornerstone is a foundation. It's tried, tested, and precious. And whoever believes will not act hastily. You know what that means? This is so good. Acting hastily is the result of the curse. Hastily is the opposite of rested. When I'm building on a sure foundation, I never have to be afraid, fight for myself, worried where it's going to come from. I'm not worried about my money, my businesses, or anything. You know why? Because I have lordship. Get lordship. When you have lordship in your life, your life is not your own. You're a son or a daughter now. And now I co-labor or co-work together with him in everything that's being built. I'm going to show it to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're all building something. And so in this case, I'm not hasty in the context of trying to get it, do it on my own. That's an orphan spirit. Now I'm a son. This is such a good word right here. You guys got to get this. You don't have to live a hasty life. Now, scripturally, hasty can also mean to be diligent. And the Israelites were told to make haste out of Egypt. That's not what I'm talking about. This is talking about building on the cornerstone. And when you believe in what you're building on, I'm not living a life of stress, worry, doubt, and fear. Woo! Yeah! Such a good word. I get more fired up about my own message. That gets me lit up. Jesus is our sure foundation, and he's a tried stone. You can have complete confidence that when your life is joined together and built on this foundation of Jesus the cornerstone, you can have sure confidence that you'll stand the test of time and the hardships of this life. You'll have complete strength from the structural integrity that you get from the cornerstone. He's completely sound and structurally he has integrity. Jesus is fully unified together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's no division in him. There's no greater or more stable foundation to build upon than Jesus. And we can rest assured that, we'll ne- that he will never be removed, never cave, never crumble, and never give up carrying the weight and the burden of his family. He's a sure foundation. He's never going to give up on you, ever. I don't care what you do, where you go, or how bad you are. He'll never give up on you. You know how I know? Because he never gave up on me. And I have bombed, listen, I bombed it post giving my life to Jesus. And God in his mercy and his kindness had a way through my failures and shortcomings of teaching me what it means to be corrected, to be healthy, and to walk upright, hooked to the right stone so I could build an awesome foundation for this church, for my family, and for my future, but ultimately for the kingdom of God. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. 
I want you to notice in 1 Peter chapter 2, 6, there's two awesome words inside this scripture. It says that Jesus is elect and precious. Let's talk about being elect and precious. Jesus was picked, chosen, and preeminent above every other stone, above every other leader, above every other king, above every other God. That's why he's called the king of kings. He is elect. God chose him and elevated him above every other king on this earth. So if you're getting sidetracked by Iran right now or Iraq or the White House or the nation's raging, I got news for you. Go read Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and plot a vain thing? The Lord laughs and holds them in derision. You think God fell off his, his throne and is thinking to himself, oh, they caught me off guard. I didn't see that coming. Come on, guys. He's a sure foundation. Anybody that puts their trust in him will not be moved. That's a promise. So now when I was, was rocking and felt like I was sinking, now no matter what comes my direction, my eyes are on the prize and I stand firm. David said it best in Psalm 16, I've set the Lord always before me and because he is at my hand of strength, my right hand, I will not be moved. Now that's a promise. You can either choose to believe it and live it or not. If you're going to be under my watch, and I hope you stay, you're going to live this thing, and we're going to walk it out for the rest of our lives. I'm going to walk it out with you. And so all the other leaders, all the other people that get raised up, because we're an army and we're a family, and we can't do it without each other. Next week, we're going to talk about getting into position to build a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about the living stone. Because no, notice the scripture said, He's the living stone that we come to, and then us also. I, you can't be an also if you don't know Jesus as the living stone. He's tried and tested, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. He's precious. Let's talk about precious. Jesus is not the ring of the Lord of the Rings. He's not the one that unites us and binds us all in darkness. That's what it says on the ring. And we're not a bunch of golems trying to find our lost precious. Listen to me. Jesus is the precious, which means the most valuable, the most honored, the most loved. There's nothing more precious to me, more than my wife, more than my kids, than Jesus. Because if I don't have the cornerstone precious in my life, then my love will always fail and I'll never build right on the right foundation. If I really love my wife, if you really love your husband, no matter what you're facing today, no matter how sideways they've gone, you hook up to the cornerstone and he makes a promise to you. You'll never be put in shame and you'll never be shaken. He's precious. Everybody say, he's precious. And I'm not Gollum. Some of you are like, huh? My wife has not even seen the movie. She's like, what? It's from the movie. 
Regarding building our lives on this foundation, guys, you're going to love this. This is so awesome. The Apostle Paul says this to the Corinthian church, and I'm going to read it to you from the, from the Passion Translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 9 through 15. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to repeat some things with me, and if you're driving in your car or listening to me online, just say it out loud where you're at. I have you say things out loud because it gets inside of you, and you understand it, and it's a lot of fun for me, all right? So check this out. This is awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. Let's say this together. I am a house. He is building. I am a cultivated garden. These are the patterns of the kingdom. It's not formulas. There's no formula in growing a garden. And the formulas of building God's house are all unique to each one of us, like our fingerprints, our eye prints, and our DNA. God is uniquely building all of us into a house. We are a garden. And these are patterns by the Father that we work together with. Everybody say, I'm a coworker. So you're not doing it alone. You're not building alone. Verse 10. God, now it's the Apostle Paul saying this. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. Let's say this together. Another craftsman. Another now let's say this. I am a craftsman. I am a craftsman. So in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Paul says, that the, the foundation of the church is built upon the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus is the cornerstone. So Ephesians chapter 2. Now, the apostles and the prophets, some teaching today says that those passed away, which is a lie. Here is the answer for that. Paul says, I am a master craftsman, but who lays a good foundation, but somebody else is going to come. Everybody say, I am a craftsman and build, continue to build on the foundation. Bam! I'm a master craftsman. Rock City Church is what God has entrusted me with your lives, this building, and what's to come to prophetically build something. And now instead of me just building a place for you, if you stay and get connected, you get built in. We build a custom room for you. Now it's not my room. Now I find out your gifts, your call, who you are, and we start adding wings on. <laughs> Whew. You got to catch what I'm teaching you. Now I can build some guest rooms for just those passing by or passing through or I can build something exactly the way you would ever want it to be in the kingdom. And you know who's going to design it? I'm going to co-work together with the Lord, and then you're going to start building, and you're going to create, and then you're going to start building something for your kids and your family, because what we're really talking about is building for the generations. If you don't get your eyes on the prize of legacy and family and sonship, and you keep looking at me, this isn't about me. This is about us becoming a house hooked up to the chief cornerstone. You got to see the mission or you'll want to give up on ministry. Get your eyes on the mission. God has given Paul a unique gift. He says another craftsman comes. 
But let's all say this together. Go to the next slide, please. Everybody say, builders beware. Builders beware. Make sure you are working carefully according to whose standards? Everybody say carefully. carefully. Say God's standards. God's standards. Here's the deal. I'm speaking to all of us. We, we are all building on one sort of foundation or another. Now, if you have crumbled down and you got rocked by a spiritual hurricane or the hurricane of life and it's all crumbled right now, I got great news for you. Let's say you burned it completely to the ground. You know what Jesus says about that? Well, the Bible says he takes those ashes and makes something beautiful. He trades it. <clears throat> Everybody say, I'm giving up my ashes. Come on, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. Woo! Man, I'm, I'm so fired up. So let's say it again. I'm giving up my ashes. So he can give me something beautiful. Stop keeping your ashes. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. <clears throat> Do you build carefully or haphazardly? Haphazard is not a fruit of the Spirit. Come on, guys, stay dialed in. Haphazard is not a fruit of the Spirit. Hope so's and maybes and I don't knows won't build anything. We build carefully according to whose standards. Let me rephrase it according to God's design. The standard is a design. Next verse. I love this. Verse 11. For no one has power to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists. So there's a good foundation that already exists. Here's the newsflash. To be empowered means to have the grace of God to accomplish something. No one, everybody say no one. No one. This is the answer for the scripture when I say to you, you don't break God's laws, they break you. Now, could you, be a, could you sin? Yes. Do you trespass? Yes. In a sense, could you be a lawbreaker? Yes. But who breaks who? The student or the tutor? The dad or the four-year-old kid? Child. <laughs> My son may test me to the max. And I'm not out to break his spirit, but he is certainly not going to break mine. And it never feels good to discipline my children, but I also know that if I don't, then I'm actually creating them for destruction. If I were to do a part two to the Father's heart, the Father's love, which I taught last week, I would teach on what it means to be a legitimate son. And with that comes spiritual spankings. No one likes a spiritual spanking, and we always blame it on the devil. Listen, God, if you are a son or a daughter... You have to learn to be disciplined and allow him to discipline you. And he always does it in love and it always hurts him. You know, after I have to spank one of my children and it hurts me to know, and man, I'm like, I almost go into borderline depression. But I sit him down. I don't, I, I, I don't run out of the room and, and, you know, just make him wallow. I sit down next to him and let him cat compose themselves. And I say, listen, I know that, I know that hurt. That hurt me too but it's because I love you and I care about you. You don't fully understand it, 
but you can't be defiant and rebellious or you will hurt yourself and hurt others and you'll destroy yourself. And I don't, I'm gonna do all I can. I can't make the decisions for my kids when they become 13, 14, 15, <clears throat> but I can sure do my best to train them and raise them the right way so they don't go sideways. Because I don't want my kids dead in jail. I don't want my kids strung out on drugs. And all I can do is give them the best and discipline them and show them. Spoil the rod, spoil the child. And our children are way too spoiled in this society, and we have sadly spoiled our own children. iPads, TVs, Netflix, Amazon, video games. I mean, it's like you have everything at your disposal to just feed their addiction of dysfunction. So we're going to nip that in the butt now. Literally. Yeah. We're going to go fishing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go fishing. Hey! Or I'm going to say, get on that tractor and start mowing that lawn is what you're really going to do. Here's what I want you to see from the scripture. You will not be empowered. So if you wonder, why is my life so difficult? Why am I spinning out? Why am I up all night? Why am I waking up at 5 a.m.? Why am I living in worry, doubt, stress, fear? Why am I toiling? Sweat of your brow. Think sweat of your brow. But Jesus reversed the curse, guys. Yeah. Yeah. There is a cornerstone. Right. Everybody say, there is a cornerstone. So you don't have to live under that curse anymore. You don't have to live by the sweat of your brow anymore. You can stop building on a wrong foundation and get some empowerment in your life. Woo! So, so if you're not empowered, he says, you will be empowered if you're building on the good foundation that already exists, which is Jesus Christ, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 3.12, the quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation is soon going to be made apparent, whether it's been built with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear. Everybody say, the day will make it clear. It will all become evident. Now, not only is there a day coming, there's a day now. So what you do is, if you're building with wood, hay, stubble, and straw, just let it get burned up. It will hurt sometimes when God says, let go of that relationship. It will hurt sometimes when God says, that man, that girl's not good for you. It will hurt sometimes when God says, no, I didn't call you to actually go make more money into that career. I'm calling you into the kingdom and to sacrifice all. It will hurt when God says, you know what? No, I don't want you to drink ever again. Or I don't want you to drink for the next year. And know that that wine or that scotch or that whatever, I'm calling you to lay it all down. I'm calling you to lay down anything that you're building with wood, hay, stubble, false belief systems, false doctrine, lies, shame, anything that you build upon that does not have structural integrity that's refined by the fire, gemstones, gold, and silver. Because look what it says. It says it's all going to be revealed by blazing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. You can go through the fire now, or you can go through the fire later. I suggest now. I got because you know why? You know what happens when you don't do it now? Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. If his work stands to test the fire, he'll be rewarded. But look at the next one, verse 15. If his work is consumed by the fire, you're going to suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. So I got great news, and I have bad news. Here's the great news. 
you'll still get rescued and saved, but your house will burn down. I don't want to just make it out with my tushy burned. I don't want to barely have escaped the fire while I'm running out of a house flaming down. If you don't just let, if you don't get rid of the wood, hay, and stubble and straw now, you'll keep building and you'll think what's being built is awesome. And then 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you'll look back and go, it's all come, coming, crumbling down. This is the big bad wolf going to blow on your house. He'll huff and puff and he'll huff and puff and he'll blow that house down. Yeah, that's right. So it doesn't feel good. But you realize if there's anything in my life that's got to go, it's got to go. Nothing grows in the dark. (laughs) Get into the light. No matter what you got to do, run to the light. Let go of anything you built in your life. Now, let's say you built something to start on a wrong foundation. Say you got married. Let's say you hooked up, met at the bar, shacked up, cracked up, got married, then you got hooked up with Jesus and you found Rock City and here you are. I got great news for you. I have awesome news for you. Just ask these two. They were totally cracked up. <laughs> and they're not the only ones. God fixes broken. Amen. Let me tell you that. You know what God does with a cracked foundation? He comes and he repairs it and restores it, and renews it. That's who our God is. So there's hope for all y'all. All y'all have hope. Texas style. So you suffer great loss, barely a scrape, house burns down. Psalm 127, verse 1. This scripture is in, is in my top 45 most favorite scriptures. Top 48, all right, it's in there somewhere. You gotta know this scripture and blaze it on your heart. If the Lord is not building your house, you're wasting your time. This is the understanding of the, the labor's labor in vain. You're laboring in vain. The word vain means you, it's a complete waste of time. Everybody is wasting their time and don't, doesn't have the grace. And any foundation not hooked to the chief cornerstone, mark my words. Anything built on earth that is not built to the chief cornerstone and is not built by God will be a waste of time and crumble. I don't care how smart somebody thinks they are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care any of those things. If you are not hooked to the chief cornerstone, if the Lord's not building your house, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. If the Lord's not watching the city, we could stay up all night long. We can prance around and cry out in tongues and pray all we want. But if the Lordship of Christ is not over our lives and over the city, we're wasting our time. That's why we're Rock City Church. Because this church has Lordship And we aren't watching in vain. We're not watching in vain. Let's go back to 1 Peter 2, verse 6. Let's have the worship team come up, please. 
First Peter chapter two, verse six. I want to hit this last part of this scripture that says, he who believes on him will by no means put to shame. You know what I've become really gifted at lately? And I'm thankful to the Lord for it. And I'm thankful to Kevin Leal because I never understood it till he came into my life. Prophet Kevin is that shame is so prevalent in so many people's lives. Hidden areas of sin and isolation, people not connected, people not in relationship, people that don't talk to me for months and months and months and do whatever they want to do. And they, I'm supposedly their pastor. And then three, four, five months later, I get an SOS call. My life's falling apart. Do I still come to the rescue? Sure. But what I want to try to do is get us to the spot where our, we're not walking in shame anymore now. And here's what the scripture promises you. Remember what I taught you last week about believing. To John 1.12, to him who receives and believes, to them he call, gives the right to be sons, children of God. To believe means that I'm fully adhering, submitting, surrendering, following. I'm an apprentice, watching my master. I do nothing that he doesn't do, and my eyes are always fixed on the prize. Guess what happens when you live your life like that? No shame. And David said, I put the Lord always for me. I will, not, I will not be moved. We sang it today. He's the rock of our strength. We're going to sing it again here in a minute. And you're going to sing it and mean it and declare it no matter what you're facing today. Because if I get you to sing, if I can get you just to even get your hand even like to hear, if I can get you to just believe and receive and say, Lord, I don't know what it looks like, but I want it and I'm going all in, something can change for you. So look what he says. He says, no one will be put to shame. And I wrote this down. Here's what it means to me to never be put to shame. It means, and I'll say it for all of us, we take responsibility for our own actions. You know what, why don't we turn this into a prayer? Why don't you just repeat this for me? Say, Lord, I take responsibility for my own actions, shortcomings, and failures instead of blaming others. I'm not going to hide myself or isolate. I'm not going to hide secret sins. But I renounce every hidden thing of shame in my life. I'm not going to live in fear and self-preservation. I'm not a man pleaser. I'm a God pleaser. I don't live like an orphan. I live as a son or daughter. I'm confident in my identity. I'm secure in the Father's love and His power to give me what I need, the tools and the blocks to build a house His way. I'm a head, not a tail. Jesus is our most valuable, precious, prized possession. No money, no job, no fat bank account, no boy, no girl, no arms, no sex, no drink, no drug. I promise you, this is not my first rodeo. And it's never too late for you, ever. 
And some of you are at your very end. You're broken. You're in a victim mentality. You're blaming others. And God says, if you'll let me build, become the chief cornerstone in your life, I will refine you, measure you, cut you, just take it. Because until you are cut down, you can never be created into what you're called to be. Same thing for Jesus. And today, if you are living in shame, hurt, pain, brokenness, anger, unforgiveness, I am going to call all y'all out today. Do not walk out of these doors hanging on to that. You've got the opportunity right now to let it go. You have the opportunity, even though you don't understand everything, to just say, Lord, I believe. Get me into the process and keep me there. You have the opportunity to say, I'm sorry for living in isolation, being angry. Some of you are mad at me. I'm sure I blew it somehow. Forgive me. I'll just say it. Forgive me. If you're hurt, if you're frustrated, if you're stagnant, if you don't believe in your value, if you've lost sight of your destiny, if you've looked at all the things you built and it all crumbled and caved in around you, the good news is you can give up your ashes.